Welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. My daddy came And here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Jerry Springer. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. That is awfully nice. A vessel burst in my uh, eye. Um, I mean, it looks a little scary. It it's looks all red. Horrible. Yeah, doesn't look good. Because normally I'm drop dead good looking. Well, yeah, it's so true. It's difficult to sit next to you some weeks. I'm getting a call. You guys mind if I take this? <laughs> no, but it's just. Yeah. You what? I'm getting a call. Oh, you're getting a call. No. <laughs> I got it on. Hey, uh, yes, how many people saw Jerry Springer on Drop the Mic last <laughs> Sunday, 1030 Eastern Time? <laughs> <laughs> Some beach. Uh, uh, that did not go over well. Uh, no. Not I'm not sure, frankly, and I mean this with the utmost respect, that this is the demographic of that show. <laughs> for, for whole that show does not look like a rap audience. No, that show is hilarious. It is, and having you on a rap battle of any kind, really special. Rapping is my life. Yeah. Okay, if you didn't see it, if you go to jerryspringer.com, if you're in this audience here at the Folk School Coffee Parlor, don't do it, because we got kind of a thin... Uh, Bandwidth. Bandwidth for the Wi-Fi here. And with, that we're on Facebook people? Live. Everybody wave Hi. the Facebook hey. Live. Hi. Uh, anyway. It, it is a popular show among young people. Oh, it's a fantastic it's, show. It's yeah. great. And it's, it's really on nice. our website. We yeah. put it on our website. And so you can see it now. And it's very funny. So here was the deal. Jerry was up against. Well, it's a, it's a what would you call it? A, kind a of a rap, rap smackdown, yeah. rap battle. Oh God, and, you get two and people a, to rap, rap against smackdown? each other. Is that well, what you Well, it's kind call? of wrestling. <laughs> no, but it's so Jerry uh, had this battle with Ricky Lake. So two daytime talk show hosts. Very funny. And before Jerry. It wasn't pretty. <laughs> oh, it's very entertaining. You got and before it, so it's a half-hour show, and the first half was... Uh, Shaq O'Neal. Yeah. It was Shaq O'Neal and uh, Ken Jong, who is yeah. from the, the trilogy of the Hangover, the Hangover trilogy. He's very funny. Can you imagine that? Because he's a little dude, and Shaq's like a big dude. <laughs> and uh, that was very funny. So Jerry did drop the mic, and I got to tell you, Megan, he is good. He was good on that. He was good. You were really playing fast and loose with that word, good. No, 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 no. You watch this. But it did as I was watching it. I thought, Megan, if you and me, it pissed me off because (laughs) the way this works is, again, they ask people, they pull people forward to have their moments and to make some money and to be on a show, and they never ask like regular people. Yeah. Like you and me. Well, Could you imagine how many people would have watched if they knew you were on? Yeah. Me and Gene battling it out at 10 30 on Sunday. Wait night. a second. <laughs> we could do our own. Wait sprint. a gold dang second, <laughs> Megan. <laughs> oh, we got a rap battle right rap here. Rap battle right here. <laughs> Drop me a beat, Megan. Yeah. You, that's really? what they used Let's to. do can it. You do, can you do that, Jerry? I have to do this. Yeah. I'm going to get spit all over your microphone. What is it? Yeah. Let me get I saw Jerry Springer on the Drop the Mic show. He was beating Ricky Lake with a real dope flow. No, stop. But no one asked me if I got game. They think if I go big time, I'll come up all lame. 
It's what I've always said, us little people lose while the rich (laughs) get richer. Catfish, give me some booze. Not coffee, I need some booze. Yeah. And... He's not even... Is this... Is this... We are sorry for everyone that that offended. Yeah. <laughs> hey, now, how many of you feel sorry that you missed that show Sunday night? Because yeah. yeah. it wasn't too Let far off. Let me ask off. you something. Yes. When you did that, yes. do it looked as if... Because you had stuff versus yeah. like three or four. Yeah. And you alternated three with, verses. with delay. Right. She goes for a verse... And then, you know, so, attacking me, and then I go. And it's, it's kind of like these roasts where what you say yeah. is really insulting to the other person. You know, all in yeah. fun, but it... Well, it started, have you ever seen, I don't know, have you guys ever seen 8 Mile? Is that in your genre? The Eminem movie from the, from the early thousands? Oh, of I, course. Of course not. <laughs> that's what it is. It's all about the rap battle. Yeah, I was yeah. around in the first thousand. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. That's, that was really early. Eminem and Brittany Murphy, yeah. it, was, it was some good cinematic yeah. history right there. Yeah. Good stuff. And is it all scripted out? Like when you <laughs> landed there and walked in? Yes. How is that? Well, how, they how give they you, well, they, they give you a draft of something and then you put your own stuff, you know. Oh, you didn't yeah. freestyle. So you edit it. Then. Oh no no there's no <laughs> no, and there's uh and there's a big screen so you're really while I'm doing it I'm not looking directly at her face I'm looking right With off the screen right after yeah, yeah. so you, you it's, you, very it's a you guys show. have to I watch really it do but the, the, the thing is and you've got to perform it like you're like you're but a what's so stupid is I'll, you don't know this but I'm not from the hood <laughs> <laughs> that is really shocking and just <laughs> watching an old man up there trying to rap. And specifically you, Jerry. It's yes, just... specifically me. You know, <laughs> it occurred good. to me, we have two things on our website. We have that, and that makes the point that you just made, but also making that point is the hip-hop thing that we have on there, Jerry oh, yeah. Springer doing hip-hop. Oh, my God. Yeah. So you got to look at both of those, Jerry Springer. Not in fairness. Not if you like the genre of rap, you don't have to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, I need, and I need to say this. I won, but she was much better. In other words... Did you bring the drop the mic? Trophy, they gave you a trophy. It looked like a gold yeah. microphone. And it doesn't even work. It's just like, hello, testing. <laughs> <laughs> also on purpose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> By design. No, that's, that's in, the, uh, in my trophy chest. In your trophy chest. Do you have a trophy case? case? Do you have a trophy case at all? No. No, I don't. <laughs> For all, I, all of those sport I do, awards but what we do is dust it. I never, I never won anything. <clears throat> also shocking. <laughs> you have... You have a Maserati, and I just—I heard a rumor, and I don't know if it's true, but you have—I hear that your Maserati is going to be for sale. That's what I've heard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe yeah. that's not. I true. hope Richard's not listening. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Why well, I don't it? drive. I don't drive it. Uh, Mickey won't, and Richard's too young. So what's the point? So it sits there. Why was it purchased? I didn't know it was a Maserati. <laughs> Are you serious? You never heard that story? No. <laughs> I am so late. This is God's truth. Oh, my God. And they let Mickey go has ha- had, you know, I'm driving around in this. In fairness, we don't buy a lot of cars. I mean, I had a Bentley, but mm-hmm. I had one for 19 years. Right. And then I got a new one that I've had now for 10. So I always drive that. That's the only, I mean, I, I really do love it. But I'm not a collector of cars, or I don't particularly know anything about them. It's just comfortable. So I... And I realize it's expensive, but it's only one car. So probably the amount of money I spend on cars compared to most families isn't that much more because we don't buy a car every three years. Mickey, on the other hand, had a BMW Mm -hmm. for like 18 years. 
Yeah. And I said, honey, this is embarrassing. You have to get a new car. <laughs> She's driving the beater. Oh, she <laughs> BMW beater. She beater will not spend a penny. <laughs> so finally, she says, okay, because it was breaking down and that. And so we go shopping. I'm, we're going to get it. So we go to all these dealerships. She goes, nah, that's too fancy. I can't drive that. She's very conscious of that. So we get, I thought it said Jaguar. And I thought, well, that's a pretty nice car. Yep. And, you know, how about if we get that? Would you consider that? She says, well, I'll, I'll drive it. It is, at least isn't that flashy, you know, it isn't ostentatious. It's a beautiful car. But, you know, she'll go. Yeah. But this Jaguar dealer, I didn't see the other part of the sign. It was also a Maserati deal. So I go into the, the, into the showroom. <laughs> yeah, right. This is just before lunch. I go into the showroom and walk in, and there's this beautiful car. Mm-hmm. And so I say, let's take that one. And, and it's not at all flashy. It's just oh, like bright blue. And- oh, it's, it's unbelievable. <laughs> it's so Mickey said, no. She said, I'm not getting in that. And, you know, my 70th birthday was coming up. This was four years ago. Why don't you get it? That'll be, you know. Yeah. And I'll say, well, if we get it, then that'll be my 70, 71st, 72nd, 73rd, 74th, mm-hmm. four birthdays in a row kind of thing. So I start, you know, and they start giving me the papers and, and everything. Mm-hmm. And then it said, it said it was a Maserati. Huh. <laughs> and I didn't know that that's, you know, it's another name of a car. Well, I, you know, it could have been a Jaguar. You don't deserve to have the money you have. That is <laughs> <No>. disgusting. <laughs> but I did offer to, you know, when they sit down to negotiate a price, you know, I said, should I leave a tip? You know, I I'm could. a bad negotiator. <laughs> There's no, they sit down and they tell you what it is. And yeah. I guess the theory is that if you can't, if you have to, you know, if you're going to ask and start, then you don't. Nickel and diamond on a Maserati, you're probably, yeah. But the point is, it's, unbelievable going like from zero to six in the pickup is amazing and it makes a loud noise when you step in it which richard loves but it's totally useless <laughs> where can you drive you know 150 miles an hour what's the point you're going along in, and everyone laughs at you because you're just going three miles an hour waiting for the next green light <laughs> you're stuck in traffic in the Maserati. and so I've had it for four years, and maybe it has a thousand miles. I don't think so. I never drive it. It is. It just looks too. Until you sell that, if you need someone to come down and drive it, you just let me know. I'll be more than happy to. I think I have an even bigger solution. Why couldn't it become the podcast car? That's called a spit take, by the way. <laughs> but that wasn't planned. Get one planned. of those cool wraps put on the cars. Why couldn't it become the podcast what, you car? You put the letters on the side. Yeah, put a magnetic sign on <laughs> yeah. the side. Put There's some bumper stickers on it. But no, seriously. Number. I'll tell you what. And Catfish, podcast. he's com. back behind the, the bar here at the coffee shop. <laughs> David is here. Megan's here. I'm here. I would keep like a clipboard, and there'd be a sign-up sheet to drive it. <laughs> And then Maria you call me, and, it, and Megan, yeah. if there's an opening, then if there is one, then I'll let you know. And same for David and, Ca- yeah. and Catfish. And you guys can get your equipment in there pretty easily, can't you? It, I don't think we it's can a car for you. It's a car for younger people. Because well, well, we're, if you're we're an old younger. person driving that, then it just looks like you're trying to make it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just something yeah. inappropriate. So it was not a good purchase, you're saying. You didn't make a good purchase. I on didn't that know day. what I was getting. I'm pleading ignorance, okay. which works for me a lot of times. Well, <laughs> fair enough. 
Well, you could see that we're having some trouble uh, paying bills here. So uh, <laughs> I have arranged, it's an idea that really came from Jerry, our, our uh, newest commercial, and we're about to produce it, but I want to kind of tease it a little bit. Uh, mm. And you can maybe contact me through the website if you want one of these. But we are repping for a company called TurboChair. And this is, look, <laughs> Jerry's getting a bit older. And I'm about 10 years behind him, but I'm up there oh. too. <laughs> so, but because I, I can, I feel him. But so look, you seen those commercials for chairs you sit in that ride up the banister if you can't climb the steps? Yeah. And, you know, I watch those commercials and I'm looking, I'm thinking I like to have one of those, but they go so damn slow. So Gene's so, idea was? Well, we got, we've hooked up with a company that has a chair, it's called the Turbo Chair, and it has a gasoline engine on it. <laughs> a combustion engine. So it can go really fast. Internal combustion engine. Internal combustion engine. Yeah, we looked at electric, but we think the demographic, these are like Harley guys, like I, I want to hear Harleys, this. And you kind of want to hear it. It's like the Maserati. Yep. And, you know, uh, you, you could incorporate your other brilliant marketing idea of your what elevator stand-up comedians. You could make that little, didn't work very it, well. <laughs> didn't work out well. El elevator did, comics. Elevator no, we comics. didn't get we didn't get a lot of work on that. Oh, you that's know, weird. Why? What ever happened to that? Well, we, I never got any calls. <laughs> the idea is we got the commercial on our website, JerrySpringer.com. We're really promoting that tonight. But elevator comics is Jerry and I do stand-up comedy on elevators in hotels around the country. We you get on, you don't know, you don't expect you. it. You step on the elevator, and there's jokes. And, and we jokes had a microphone, a spotlight on yeah. us. We tested it in New York City, did we and not? And it worked. It worked. Because Gene, it's a crowded elevator. Gene's in one corner. They don't know where to gather. And I'm up where the buttons are. And it's, everyone's packing. You know how everyone looks at the floor numbers at the yeah. top? And all of a sudden, uh, Gene will say... I ask questions. I'd say, <laughs> well, I'd say uh, Jerry Springer. Jerry Springer. Is, yeah, I say, boy, when guy, older guy just got off the elevator oh. and I saw you talking to him, what was that yeah. all about? Oh, he's telling me it's the finest hearing aid money can buy. I said, yeah, what kind is it? He said, four o'clock. Hey, and then, you know, so... Well, if you're on an elevator and two people you think are strangers... And that's the answer. And yeah. we got a great way. And we stayed on the elevator all day. We, <laughs> we put a, we put a tip jar. <laughs> we had a tip jar out there, the whole thing. Yeah. And if, but, they, yeah, and if they got to get up like to the 18th floor. Man, yeah. they've got they, the whole set. <laughs> right. They can't get off. No one's going to no. get off the elevator just to avoid a joke. We had a whole pay structure. You would. If you were like a Midwestern Holiday Inn, it didn't cost much to get us. If we were working New York City, like the Ritz or something, that so was pretty we, pricey. I mean, it's, pretty pricey. It, it's a solid $5 an hour at the yeah, Ritz. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I didn't get many calls on that, it's, Megan, so I just kind of died. Yeah, but I think Turbo Chair is going to go. So. so you're saying you can really speed it up. You get on the Turbo <laughs> Chair uh, to go upstairs. Well, I'll tell you how fast you go. Buckle to in. ride this, the government requires you wear a helmet. <laughs> you know, so this goes fast. Goggles and a helmet. It's called it's mega called turbo chair. For okay. a reason. I see no issues with that. Feel horrible if someone in this audience actually has one. So you want to apologize? I apologize. Yeah. I apologize. But go to JerrySpringer.com <laughs> next week and check out Turbo Chair. Oh my god. So yeah. uh, anyway, that's what's coming. Marketing brilliance at hey, this table. I want to ask you something on a more serious note? But one last thing. Your assignment last week was to contact 
your agent to get in touch with Paul McCartney's agent oh, right. because you met him on an airplane. He approached you, and it seems like it'd be pretty easy to get him on the show. Now, last week you met Shaquille O'Neal, Ricky Lake, uh, Ken Jeong, all these people. Did you ask any of them, hey, why don't you come on my show sometime on my podcast? It's last, so easy. Last night I met, um, I had dinner with uh, Dwight Gooden. You did? Yeah, actually we did, yeah. Yeah, it was. And again. Again, it didn't come up. Doesn't even dawn on him. Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't even, like, him. it's yeah. not even like a light bulb the, anymore. Do you remember a Whispering Beard yeah. Folk one, Festival? One we job. went down oh. there for one reason, <laughs> Maggie. We drove a long way for Jerry to introduce the Tillers. The Tillers are Local becoming network. nationally yes. famous, actually have been for a while. They're just a great band, happened to be from Cincinnati. And Jerry goes up on stage to introduce the Tillers. And, to, and we said, and I said to him before he walked up the steps, Jerry, remember, <laughs> we came down here for one reason. When you're up there, say, hey, you got to listen to my podcast, jerryspringer.com. Which we were recording the following day there. Like, there. Oh, it's what we were there to do. So he I comes off the stage, <laughs> Megan. I did a great job. How'd I do? Because <laughs> I was telling jokes. The crowd was really with me. It was also 11 o'clock on a Saturday yeah. night at a music it, festival. You came <laughs> down here for one reason, you dipshit. You know. <laughs> but I, how could I? We don't know, Jer. We don't, <laughs> no, we don't know. <laughs> we don't know. Oh. Maybe you know this. Uh, was it a good idea to bomb Syria? Oh, yeah. Um, it was useless. Um, you know, when, when Trump um, sent the missiles to blow up those um, what turned out to be empty buildings. Um, I say it was useless, and that's not to disparage the seriousness of Assad using chemical weapons. Obviously, that is horrific. But the response turned out to be all show. And what it really showed was our weakness, that we are not in a position and basically incapable to, at this point, influence anything that's going on in the Middle East. It's like what we did last year. You know, he sends a cruise missile to uh, blow up a runway, and the next day they rebuilt the runway. This time blew up three sites that apparently, you know, the, the accuracy, the military did its job. It hit every site perfectly with these smart bombs, but there was no... No political purpose. First of all, he announced to the world that it was coming. So, psst, get out of the way. <laughs> you know, and so even if there had been chemical weapons there, they would have moved it to where the Russians were because we obviously weren't going to send missiles where the Russians are. Now, I'm not being a warmonger here. I'm not suggesting that we got to go in there and fight a war. But I am suggesting on the first part that this fake bravado is just reminding all the players in the Middle East and, frankly, all the people around the world, all the countries now, that it's a lot of bluster what is coming out of this White House, that we're not engaged, that we just do these things for show so they can, it, it can be on cable news, shock and awe. You don't ever bomb chemical sites. Number one, for the obvious reason that if you do hit it and there are chemicals there, you basically have sent these deadly chemicals all into the atmosphere. 
So anyone within miles around will soon be dead. I mean, so what's that? So that's stupid to begin with. But secondly, one of the, if not the most deadly chemical weapon is chlorine. And every nation in the world has chlorine because it has to, to clean their water. So basically, if you want to use chemical weapons, you just use the chlorine that the government and the society already has. It can be made any place, in any building, in a residential neighborhood, any place. You make the chlorine, and then you explode it, and the chlorine goes, and, you know, people die. So it's such a horrible strategy in the first place. Now, other than the fact that obviously that doesn't work, there's several points to be made here. The first is that the real problem is Assad. Assad killed half a million of his people without chemical weapons. Just regular weapons just killed a half a million of his citizens. He's turned 7 million of his citizens into internal refugees. In other words, they were thrown out of their areas. And they're refugees now. They're still in Syria, but they don't have homes. They're living out on the desert. And 5 million, and by the way, I may have the figures reversed. It may be seven are international refugees and five are internal or vice versa. But anyway, millions of people are now, of his own people are now refugees because of what he has done, and he's killed half a million of them. That's the problem. So you say, well, then why didn't we bomb his, his castle, his buildings, kill him? Because, and that shows our weakness, we don't have a plan B. It would be Iraq and Libya all over again. We got rid of Hussein, rah, rah, oops, we now own the country. Who's going to take Hussein's place? And of course, we were stuck there for a decade trying to figure out how that country can run with all, there's no, there's no entity. And the warring factions, the warring tribes are at each other's throats. And we had no plan in place of what to happen the day Hussein was gone. In Libya, the same thing, get rid of Gaddafi, wonderful, and now it's become a haven for terrorists all over the world. And we have no backup plan in Syria with all the warring factions. So again, this policy that America now has of bomb and then get out, the world knows that they're not trusting us anymore. They know we can blow them up, but then we're not going to stay around. We can't get any of these groups to really make a commitment to us because they know when it gets tough, we're going to pull out. Not all of this can be blamed on Trump. This is in our DNA. America, from its very inception, is basically an isolationist country that in times of crisis gets brought into the world, but whenever the people have a choice, we don't want to be a part of it. We are the most reluctant uh, superpower in world history. Every great empire through every age, Roman Empire, Spanish Empire when they controlled the seas, the British Empire where the sun never settled on it during the 19th century, 
Every great superpower wants to get as much control, as much territory, as much force as possible to run the world, except the United States of America. We never had designs on ruling the world. American people basically would like to be left alone. Oh, we'd like other countries to buy our goods, but we want to be left alone. George Washington, in his uh, farewell address, talked about let's not get involved in any tangled international alliances because he thought that would be bad. We didn't become an international superpower really until the end of the 19th century. Probably the uh, Mexican-American War was the first time that we started to use some force in other places. But think about it. World War I, we were totally isolationist. The war started in 1914. President Wilson got reelected in 1916, and the slogan was, he kept us out of the war. We were not going to get involved in World War I. And then when 1917, when the Germans sunk the Lusitania and our, our freighters and our ships and American citizens were getting killed, we finally got into the war. So we were in for the last year of the war, the last eight months, really, in terms of our soldiers being over there. So that brought us into the world, and we were the biggest economic power, and so we did tip the balance towards the Allies. But as soon as the war was over... Wilson had his 14 points, how this was the war to end all wars. We were now going to have a world of peace. What happened? The American Congress and the American people said, no, we want nothing to do with the League of Nations. We're going to go back to our home and be isolationist again. And so for the next 20 years, America was isolationist. Now all of a sudden comes World War II. Hitler goes into Poland on September 1st of 1939. It wasn't until two and a quarter years later, despite Churchill saying Hitler's taking over Europe, Hitler's taking over England, for God's sakes, please give us your ships, do something, come into the war, stop what's happening. Nothing. Until Pearl Harbor. Now we're in the war. The war ends, we're ready to go back to, that's it. But all of a sudden, there's the Soviet Union and communism is starting to take over Eastern Europe and taking over the world. This would be a threat to us. So we had to rebuild Europe. We had the Marshall Plan. That got us involved a little bit. And then as communism was trying to take over more and more, we had the Korean War. Then the Vietnam War. Lyndon Johnson made up this story about how the, in the Gulf of Tonkin, an American ship was hit by the North Vietnamese, and that's why we had to go to war. And that was the beginning of the buildup of our troops in Vietnam. Then finally, America had enough of the Vietnam War. We didn't want to get involved anywhere. Any politician that would say, well, we're not going to send American troops. We're not going to send American troops. And people like us loved that idea. Then came 9-11. We're back in the world again. Bush makes up this story, you know, the administration makes up the story about their weapons of mass destruction, gets us back in. Ten years we've been stuck there. What I'm saying is, we are, by, in our DNA, a country that doesn't want to run the world. And now comes Trump, and he wants America to totally withdraw from the world, get out of our alliances, whether it be environmental, military, the heck with the United Nations. 
the heck with our trade um, treaties in Southeast Asia or in uh, North America. And here's where I think we have to really think seriously about it. We can't rule the world anymore, even if we wanted to. We can blow up the world, but we can't run it anymore. In today's, you know, in today's world with mass media and uh, social media and the interconnection of all nations, there's no way we can run the world. The question is we can be a major influence and the danger in Trump is that the only weapon we have right now is the bomb, which is why we do hit and run, bomb and withdraw. We don't have any diplomacy going anymore. We don't have a State Department. We don't have a Secretary of State. We don't have ambassadors. We have withdrawn from communicating with the rest of the world and trying to have multilateral arrangements so that Hopefully, we can lessen the tension that blows people up. It's not the perfect solution, but if we don't have diplomacy, we've got nothing. And it no longer will be America first. It's going to be America only. And then we're really, really in trouble. All right. Thank you, Jerry. And this evening, we are excited to welcome back again Mr. Dan Van Vechten as he comes back up, and friends and associates <laughs> as they come on up. So tell us what you've been up to, and if you wouldn't mind introducing your friends to us tonight. They've been with us, too, a few times. Yeah. Yep. Uh, to my left is Easy Tom Eby playing bass, and yeah. he's been here as the featured artist at one point. Mm -hmm. Sure. And then this is Hank Becker over here, and he's been here as the featured artist and may have brought his band, the Rubber Knife Gang, before. Yep. So that's what I've been up to lately. Awesome. Is bands have a way of losing members and finding new ones. Trading. And, you know, <laughs> it's yes, like baseball trade. teams. Yep, We're that's what we do. Free agent. So we traded in the <laughs> offseason. Very cool. So what do you have for us for this evening? Well, uh, we have two original songs. This first one's called Stringtown. Excellent. And uh, Stringtown, if you, if the Kentucky, uh, like Northern Kentucky people often know where it is, but if you take the Anderson Ferry uh, and cross over into Kentucky, Stringtown's a little town where it lands. Mm -hmm. And one night after a gig, I had a friend with a convertible show up. And I was like, oh, man, that's cool. And she said, you want to drive it? Yeah. <laughs> so that was Was it a Maserati, time. though? Yeah. No, it was, a, it, was a, it was an old... Loser. <laughs> <laughs> Again, man of the people, Jerry Springer. <laughs> it, was a, it was an old Jeep Renegade. Nice. Out, we are surrounded by fireflies. Let's take your ragtop for a ride. Shift down through Stringtown, drift like a rodeo. Mud ties weren't designed to ride the roads. It's like a dream, burying me away. It's like a dream. Our midnight fantasy Make up the story as we go Hiding in plain view Of the west side from Kentucky 
shimmering off of the Ohio, just like a dream. Carrying me away, just like a dream. Play the radio. All the AM stations swear they know. But my heavens here with you and the moon over Kentucky, shimmering off of the Ohio, just like a dream, ferrying me away, just like a dream, ferrying me. Just like a dream, drifting through Stringtown. Thanks. So I know Dan, you have your own group that you normally play with. Mm -hmm. uh, what about you? Guys, what about you, gentlemen? Who are you with? Or are you kind of floating around everywhere? Uh, I play bass with a band called Black Mountain Throwdown, sometimes a band called Twig and Leaf. Cool. And then I had my own project, the Easy Tommy Eby Band. Yeah? Yeah. I used to call it the experience because he had to be over 50. <laughs> then I relaxed the rule. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Oh, yeah. Very cool. All right, Dan, what do you have for us next, dear? Uh, this one is uh, called Salt Mine. When I was here the first time, it was because I was, I was active in the songwriting group that the Mm -hmm. Full school did. This was a, a songwriting exercise. The topic was salt. And uh, somewhere that weekend, I'd gone into a local bar and heard somebody ask another one of his friends, hey, man, how you doing? He goes, eh, you know, work, make money, spend money. So I wrote that down, and that became the song. So I wrote down the chorus so you guys can sing along if you want to. You'll hear it the first time, and then we'll do the chorus a couple more times.
salt mine gets you salty Find good protection for your shoes Every day be a good man Do your best Pay your dues Work Make money Save money Yeah, Dan, can, tell us where uh, we can check out some more of your music, your websites, and if you guys want to jump in with yours as well. Yeah, uh, danvanvectonmusic.com. Um, that song was uh, is on an album called Get Right, which is for sale in the Folk School Coffee Parlor. Super. Yeah. Um, so yeah, check these guys out. But I'm saving, so I can't spend the money. <laughs> when I first wrote it down, I said make money, save money, or spend money, and then I realized I wrote it down backwards, and that was bad yep. advice. <laughs> so, <laughs> save it first, Oops. spend it later. <laughs> Well, Dan, thanks for being here again yeah, tonight, you guys. Yeah, it's always yeah. a treat. Yeah. Yeah. Always fun to have you. And, well, I think the first time you were here, we were still singing Goodnight Irene, weren't we? So we're yeah. going down by the riverside this time. Yeah. Did I say last time that I, 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 these phones can do a lot of things, but if we turned your face upside down, you'd have a whole head of hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When, it, when, the, when the humidity's really bad, I look like one of those, those iron shaving guys. <laughs> I just kept thinking the whole the little, time. I said, It's like the little, no. yeah, the magnetic thing, the little, mush, the little mustache. <laughs> it's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> you all ready? Yeah. And, yeah, Jerry's going to sing with you. Oh. Uh, down by the riverside. You've been listening to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, recorded live at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song, and to you for listening. Check out our website at jerryspringer.com. Gonna lay down my heavy load Down by the riverside Down by the riverside Down by the riverside I'm gonna lay down my heavy load down by the riverside I'm gonna study war no more I ain't 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 gonna study war no sword and shield down by the riverside down by the riverside down by the riverside I'm gonna lay down my sword and shield down by the riverside 